this is your first time here, allow me to introduce myself. My name is Jay, and I had the privilege of serving as the BCM director. But uh, that sounds so special, but here's the deal. Anyone already knows what I'm about to say next. If you know me, I am just a scrub, all right? And uh, just a servant of the Lord. Why are you laughing? Why are you laughing? So are you. You're a scrub too. Yes, you are. So... Man, uh, just so grateful that you are here. We recognize, man, some of you, you come all the way from like, from Brandon to be here. Some of you come from across the bridge of St. Pete, Clearwater to be here. And uh, we know you could be anywhere else, but the fact that you made a commitment to be here uh, tonight, we, we pray that it's been worth your time. We pray that you aren't just finding friends here, but that you are finding family here at the BCM. Well, let's jump right into God's Word. Take out your Bibles and open them to John chapter 8, verse 12. That's where we're going to be at tonight. I got to tell you, but as I've been personally studying this passage, I have, uh, the Lord has been teaching me a lot. And so I'd ask for you that you would pray for me, that I would be clear as I teach God's Word tonight. I only want to preach His Word, nothing but the Word, so help me God tonight. This is where the power is. Tonight, we are in week two of our seven-week series that we've called, entitled, Jesus Is. We're looking at the statements that Jesus Christ, he makes about himself in the Gospel of John. They are called the I Am Statements. This past week, we looked at John chapter 6. My friend Nathan, he was here with us, and uh, he came out of the gate, and we looked at this phrase where Jesus said this. He says, I am the bread of life. And uh, if you weren't here last week, or if you were here, you just want to go back and listen to that message. We do have a podcast you can go back and listen to on Spotify, on Apple, called USFBCM. You can catch up, man, that, that way. What? I don't know what you just said. Security? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but tonight, we're going to look at John chapter 8, where Jesus, he says, I am the light of the world. And I got to tell you, my friends, as I've been studying this, I'm like, man, Lord, I did not see some of these things here. And I pray that as we, man, step into this verse tonight, man, that God, he would, he would teach us. This verse, it is so simple, but it's also so profound. And tonight, I'm going to tell you on the front end, you're going to want to hold on to your Bibles, okay, my friends, because we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture, okay, tonight. One of the common things that we will see throughout this series is this, no matter what statement we look at over the next couple of weeks together, is this, all that we need, Jesus is. All that we need, my sister, Jesus is. All that you need, my sister, Jesus is. All that you need, my brothers. Brothers, make some noise in the house tonight. Oh, Jesus is. And if we can just grab that, if we can start to understand that, if we can believe that, if we can respond accordingly to that, that all that we need, Jesus is, I think it would change a lot of things in our life. I absolutely love roller coasters. Anybody else in the house love roller coasters? Yes? Yes. Is there anyone that hates roller coasters? Anybody that's here? Yes? All right. We will pray for you after service tonight. That's okay. <laughs> Has anyone ever written um, Space Mountain at Disney? Yes. Oh, man. That's the, the first time that I went to Disney and my friends they knew who knew me. They said, Jay, we know you love roller coasters, brother. You have got to ride Space Mountain. Kai, you wrote that before? Space Mountain? Oh, yes. Yeah, a lot of fun. 
If you have never ridden that ride before and you like roller coasters, you should do it. It's an indoor roller coaster. Riders aboard a rocket-shaped vehicle, and they are launched into darkness. It's crazy. <laughs> this ride, man, it features uh, twists and turns and, and, and drops, and most of the ride is literally in complete darkness. It's crazy. Except for the camera snapping a shot of your ridiculous face. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> after a steep drop. I remember, you know what you do after you go on a, on a ride, right? And you, you go and you look at the, the picture, right? And see how crazy you looked. Man, let me tell you what, after I rode this ride, my face looked absolutely ridiculous, all right? But I remember, uh, I mean, riding this ride, like I said, most of it's in complete darkness, except for the pictures that are, that are snapped and they're there. The little light that you experience on this, uh, this ride, it gives you a click a quick glimpse of where you are just in the moment. It's pretty interesting. In fact, I remember the lights went off on the camera and my hands were raised and I realized, man, the distance from where I was in, the, in my seat and the bars up above me um, was pretty close. I thought, I better put my hands down before I lose my hands, you know? It's a pretty amazing ride. Speaking of light, that is what light does. Definitely. Light... It reveals where you are and where you need to go. Pretty amazing. Light reveals where you are and where you need to go. And we need, we need the light to reveal where we are and where we need to go. Jesus, he makes a statement in John chapter 8 where he says, I am the light of the world. He is the light that reveals where we are and where we need to be. And if you have your Bibles, and I hope you do, open them to John chapter 8, verse 12, my friends, and let just allow God's word to speak over us. If you are that person, by the way, that loves coming to service, and you're just like, man, I want to get me like three points, and now I know I'm good. Well, tonight, listen, you ain't going to get that, all right? <laughs> We're just going to read God's word and allow God to speak to us and to emphasize to us as individual what we need. So listen carefully. Here's what it says in John chapter 8, verse 12. It says, Jesus, he did what? He spoke. Not your cousin Jabubu, okay? It says Jesus spoke. And Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. And if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. One simple but profound verse. Tonight, we are mainly going to focus in on this one verse. But I think it's important, if you don't mind, for us to get some context of what's happening around this verse. And so let's go back to John chapter 7, if you have your Bibles. John chapter 7, and look at verse 2. John 7 verse 2, it says this, But soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters. You say, okay, why is that important? <laughs> this is pretty interesting. And the Festival of Shelters, or some Bibles actually will refer to this as the Feast of Booze, was held on the seventh month of the year on the 15th day of the month, and it lasted for eight days. The, the feast was to remember the Exodus, 
When the nation of Israel came out of bondage from the slavery out of Egypt and headed out into the promised land. It was also a time of celebration. Somebody say celebration. Anybody like to celebrate? Oh, I like celebrations. Oh, yes. In fact, this weekend in a couple of days, y'all don't really care, but I'm going to tell you anyway. We're going to celebrate one of our friends who is pregnant. Yes. And they're having a baby shower. Oh, it's going to be a time of celebration. I love celebrations. Well, this was also a time of celebration because it was harvest time. It's the seventh month of the year and crops are being brought in. And now was a time to celebrate. Say celebrate. Oh, yeah. So they are remembering what God has done in the past. And they are celebrating what God is doing in the present, in their lives. And it's called the Festival of Shelter. Every Israelite at this time who dwelt in the land would have built a temporary booth. I learned this recently. I didn't realize that. Did you know that? I didn't know that. Pretty interesting. Some of you are like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Bible scholar. Well, good for you. But they would eat in that booth and they would sleep in that booth during this time. And it was to remember their forefathers and what their forefathers went through when they came out of Egypt. The booth also in scripture was a picture of protection and preservation and shelter. And at this feast, there were some very important rituals that took place. One of those rituals was the pouring out of water. I thought this was interesting. It started with the daily drawing from the pool of Shalom. Here's how it would happen. A, a priest would go down to the pool and would fill a pitcher with water and he would bring it back to the temple and trumpets would blast. Man, I wonder how that sounded. Does anybody play the trumpet in here? Anybody? Anybody? Oh, what? Claudia, you do? Next week, bring it. But trumpets would blast and people would sing. They didn't just sing. I imagine in my mind, maybe they sang. You know, there's a difference, right? Some people sing, and then there's some people that can just sing. Oh, they sang their, their hearts out. Trumpets would blast, and people would sing, and people would rejoice. Yes, and the priest, he would pour that pitcher of water into a basin in which there were holes at the bottom. That water would run out into a trough, and that was to remember the water in the wilderness that came from a rock, because without that water, they would have perished in the wilderness. That ceremony remembers the wilderness journey. And it is on that scene in John chapter 7, verse 37. Turn there real quickly. John 7, verse 37. Here's what it says. On that last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. Isn't this amazing? Jesus grabs this ritual of water and he turns it right around and he focuses it in on himself. Pretty fascinating. This is the time where they're remembering that the water that came from a rock which supplied all of their physical needs. Jesus is saying, I am that rock. 
I am that water. And of course, he is not just talking about physical thirst, but spiritual thirst. Now catch this. For seven days, leading up to this great day, there was water that was poured every day to remember what happened in the wilderness. However, on the eighth day, that water was not poured by the priest. There was no water. They were relying on God for the present day water wherever they were. Now, Jesus says, you remember the water in the wilderness? Do you remember? Do you remember? I will be your water in this spiritual journey. And of course, as often as this happened, there arose a division. Look at John 7, verse 43. Here's what it says. So the crowd was divided about him being Jesus. The crowd was divided about him. Some were saying, this has got to be the prophet that was promised. This has got to be the the Christ that was supposed to come. Now we turn to John chapter 8. Turn in your Bibles to John chapter 8. And here we see another ritual that was being observed. We see the illumination of the temple. Pretty fascinating. And this takes place in John chapter 8, verse 20. Jesus made these statements while he was teaching in the section of the temple known as the treasury. Jesus is in the treasury also known as the court of women. Ladies, make some noise in the house, ladies. Yeah. (laughs) It was one of the most accessible parts of the temple that people were allowed to come come in. Jesus is in that part of the temple as he is teaching in John chapter 8. And during the observation of illumination, it included the lighting of giant menorahs for the uh, candelabras uh, that was there all night, lit up, shining. During this time of celebration, there was... They're all night dancing. By the way, I think we have some dance majors in the house. Where you at, dance majors? Anybody that's here? Yes, indeedy. So those folks would have been there dancing, breaking it down. There are folks that were there dancing and singing and rejoicing. Now, if you, first of all, some of you are like, I don't dance. Okay. But if all of you in this room said, I don't dance, I don't believe you because I was here for line dancing, okay? For we could welcome I saw some of you. Some of y'all, well, I'll just leave it there. (laughs) The light that would shine during this time, it would literally light up the city of Jerusalem. And the light reminded the people how God was with them in their wanderings in the wilderness. How God, he was the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. And these great lights that they lit was a reminder of God's provision and God's guidance through their wilderness journey. And just as Jesus turned the pouring of the water to focus on him, now he is going to turn this ceremony and this ritual upon himself. It is the final day of the feast, the eighth day, and the lights are out. It is dark. Somebody say dark. The candles are out. And Jesus, he walks into 
the court of women, the temple of the treasury. And in the minds of the people who are there, they are remembering that the night before, man, the lights were lit. The city of Jerusalem, it was lit. It was bright. It was lit. The lights lit up the city of Jerusalem. Jesus, he now walks into that darkness. Are you with me? And with the lights now out, he said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. It had to blow the minds of those who were there listening to Jesus, listening to Jesus. I would tend to think that the folks who were there were probably more devout people. When Jesus says, I am the light of the world, those devout folks, they would have known scriptures. And they would have known potentially Isaiah 42, verse 6, and Isaiah 49, verse 6. Isaiah 42, verse 6 says this, I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness. I will take you by the hand and guard you, and I will give you to my people, Israel, as a symbol of my covenant with them, and you will be a, what does it say? A what? A what? A light to guide the nations. This is the Lord talking about the Lord, his chosen servant who would come. He says, he will be a light to the nations. Turn over to Isaiah 49, verse 6. Isaiah 49, verse 6 says this. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. So the people who heard Jesus say, I am the light of the world, they probably knew these verses. These are scriptures of messianic prophecy. The Messiah would come, and he would be a light to the nations. Now, Jesus walks into that darkness, and in so many words, he is saying, I am the Messiah, as he is saying, I am the light of the world. And Jesus speaks so clearly and so plainly throughout the Gospel of John. When he says, I am the light of the world, he is not just claiming to be Messiah, but he is also claiming to be God. Somebody say, amen, in the house. In Psalm 27, verse 1 Scripture says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 6, it says this, This is the message we heard from Jesus and now declared to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. When Jesus came along and said, I am the light of the world, he is claiming two things. I am the Messiah. And secondly, I am God. I am the Messiah and I am God. And after he claims, I am the light of the world, he says this in John chapter 8, verse 12 I am the light of the world. If you follow me, somebody say, follow. If you ever do a study of the word follow, it's very fascinating. In fact, it means a number of things. It's a word used for a soldier who follows his captain. Whatever, whatever the captain says, 
the captain gets. He's in charge. The word is also used for a slave who tends and follows his master. And often throughout scripture, we are looked at as slaves to our master, not in a sense that crushes us or pushes us down. Actually, it says, if we humble ourselves in his sight, he will lift us up. To follow him means you are a servant and you tend to his needs. The word follow also means one who follows wise counsel. How many of you in the room love to receive wise counsel? Raise your hand if that's you today. I know I love to hang out, hang out and around wise people who are going to give wise counsel. A follower of Jesus will take wise counsel, listen, and apply that counsel to his or her life. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 6 says this, For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders. We usually hear this verse around Christmas time, right? And he will be called, what does it say? Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Scripture clearly says that Christ, he is a wonderful counselor and so much more. So we follow him as a soldier follows his captain, as a slave does his master, as someone does a wise counselor, as someone who follows the laws and the standards that are set up by the leader, and someone who listens to the leader and comes to his conclusions. A follower of Jesus Christ is someone, listen to me, who gives his or her body and soul to the Lord. Jesus never said, come half-heartedly or come to me when it is convenient. He didn't say that. Now, some of us wish he said that, but he did not. Jesus said, leave everything and follow me. It's serious. Jesus continues on in John 8, verse 12. And he says this, Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness. Now, for the next few moments, I want to talk about darkness. Not the darkness that I experienced on that ride at Disney, okay? But darkness, spiritual darkness, on that one word, darkness. There's a lot to that word. Here's one thing. Darkness denotes the whole range of what is harmful or evil. Darkness, it is a sense of a threat to life itself. What is bad for me, what is moral or evil, and is fatal. Darkness is also an expression of captivity. If you have your Bibles, turn with me right now to Psalm 107, verse 10. Turn there quickly. Psalm 107, verse 10. Here is what Scripture says in his word in Psalm 107, verse 10. It says this, Some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains and misery, they rebelled against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. Look at those words, if you can keep them on the screen. Some sat 
in darkness. What a picture. When I read that verse, just that first line right there, it made me think about, you're going to think I'm silly. It made me think about my experience when I went to a restaurant that's not too far from here called Koizis. You ever been there before? It's this, uh, when you go there, you get like endless hibachi. It's pretty amazing. They make the food right there in front of you. You feel like you're going to burn your face, okay? It's, it's that close. I remember my first time going to this restaurant, and I walked in there with my wife and, and some friends of ours, ours. And uh, man, I said, man, it's so dark in here. And it was like in the middle of the afternoon. I know that sometimes at restaurants at night, they just like, you know, turn down the lights. I guess if you're on the date, kind of like to set the mood. I don't know. But this was in the middle of the afternoon, but it felt like it was, man, midnight at the time when we walked in. And we sat down. You know what happened after a while? I didn't even notice how dark it was. The darkness, it didn't even bother me after a while. Oh, I was laughing. Oh, I was enjoying my food and the fellowship right there in the middle of the darkness. In fact, it didn't even hit me how dark it was until we left and we opened the door and we went outside and that sunlight hit us. And man, you know what I'm talking about? My eyes were just like, woo, irritated. Scripture says, some sat in darkness and deepest gloom, imprisoned in iron chains and misery. They were built against the words of God, scorning the counsel of the Most High. What a vivid picture this verse is of captivity. This kind of darkness will never let you go until you come to Jesus. Darkness is also an expression of evil and wickedness. Can we just have an honest conversation? Darkness is all around the land. It's all around us. Psalm 107 verse 11 says this, their, their mouth, Psalm 10, excuse me, verse 7 to 11 says this, their mouths are full of cursing, lies, and threats. Trouble and evil are on the tip of their tongues. They lurk in ambush in the villages, waiting to murder innocent people. They are always searching for helpless people like lions crouched in hiding. They wait to pounce on the helpless. Like hunters, they capture the helpless and drag them away in nets. Verse 10 says, their helpless victims are crushed. They fall beneath the strength of the wicked. The wicked think God isn't watching us. Hmm. He has closed his eyes and won't even see what we do. That's what wickedness and darkness does. It casts the net for those people and it, it walks into its lair as if it were, as it were, and it grabs them and brings them in. Listen to me carefully, my brothers and my sisters tonight. For those of us who have ever had an addiction in their life. Do you remember the first touch? Do you remember the first hit or the first high? Do you remember the first look or the first smell or whatever it first was? I bet you it didn't show up looking like the devil. I bet you he didn't come and say, I am the devil. No. It showed up looking like a little shadow. Then all of a sudden, it's a little more and a little more and a little more. Then all of a sudden, it takes you further than you want to go, makes you stay longer than you want to stay, and makes you pay way more than you want to pay. 
Darkness means disaster and death. If you die in the darkness, specifically spiritual darkness, you never get a chance to come to the light. Are you hearing me tonight? Listen to me carefully. If you die in spiritual darkness, you never get the chance to come to the light. And that is not God's desire for you or for me. The good news is Jesus Christ, because in John chapter 8, verse 12, Jesus says, if you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. If you are walking in darkness this evening, you don't have to stay there. You don't have to live there, my brother or my sister, and you certainly do not have to die there. That's why Jesus came. John chapter 12, verse 35 and 36, Jesus replied, my light will shine for you just a little longer. Walk in the light while you can. So the darkness will not overtake you. Those who walk in darkness cannot see where they are going. Verse 36, put your trust in the light while there is still time. Listen to me. Listen to me. I don't think that verse was just for those who were listening at that moment. I think that verse is probably for somebody who's here in the room tonight. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Because my brother and my sister, eventually time is going to run out. Put your trust in the light while there is still time. Then you will become children of light. Jesus shines his light upon us for a season. Man, I love what happens in the Gospel of John. Kai, it's pretty amazing. Jesus comes to them and he says, I am the bread of life. And most of them are going to walk away. Some will stay. Then he comes, and in this text he says, I am the light of the world. And you know what's going to happen? You know what's going to happen? Most of them are going to walk away. But some will stay. But Jesus, he doesn't stop there. He just keeps coming back. And he says, I am, I am, I am, I am. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the door. I am the vine. He continues to come back again and again and again. And each time, some will stay, most will leave. We always have a choice when it comes to following Jesus and responding to his word. But he keeps coming back and calling people to himself because God is not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. Somebody say amen in the house. He's a good God that gives us multiple chances. Anybody grateful? Let me ask again. Anybody grateful? Let me ask again. Anybody grateful? <laughs> I know that I'm grateful. I don't know about you, but I told you I'm a scrub. 
And I'm only sitting here by the grace of God who has given me chance and chance and chance and chance again. He has not given up on me and he has not given up on you. He continues with grace and his mercy, his mercy meant to man, call us to himself. What a good God. But here's a question I have for us tonight. If he is that good and he is, why don't more people come running to the light. You ever thought about that? If God is that good, oh, and, and God is, why don't more folks, man, come running to Jesus? Well, why don't we see more folks, man, right here on this campus at the University of South Florida come running to Jesus? How about in our city? How about in our nation? John chapter 3, verse 19, here's what scripture says. And I think this is maybe where we find our answer. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came into the world, but people loved, people loved darkness more than the light. For their actions were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and refuse to go near it for fear their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. There are people who literally, they hate the light. Specifically, they hate the light of Christ. You ever met those people before? <laughs> it's pretty interesting. On, on Wednesdays, we had the opportunity as a ministry alongside many other orgs to hang out at the Marshall Student Center where they do a little something called bull market. You ever been out there before? Yeah? It's pretty interesting because you will engage folks in conversation. There will be some who will linger, but then there's others, man, when they recognize who you are representing, the light of Christ, the conversation is short. I think one of the reasons could be it's because when the light that pours through a believer into a person that's walking into darkness, they don't want to be around that. Maybe because their actions are evil. The light exposes them for who they are and what they are. My brothers and my sisters, the light doesn't just expose them. Guess what? It exposes us as well. It exposes Jay Sanders for who he is and where I am. When someone who loves you shines a light on sin in your life. Let me ask you a question. How do you respond? When, when someone who loves you shines a light, they, they shine a light in an area in your life, potentially where you've been walking in darkness, how do you respond? Do you become bitter or do you become better? Let me ask you tonight. Is God exposing something in your life right now? Anything that he wants changed and you know needs to be changed in your life? Are you willing to respond in humility, humility and simply say, yes, God. I agree with you about the darkness, the sin in my life. Help me to change. Help me to change. John chapter 12, verse 46, 
Jesus says, I've come as light to shine in this dark world so that all who put their trust in me will no longer remain in the dark. How about that? That's some good news.